Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised. BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream or wherever you get your podcasts. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Pride Connection. I am one of your hosts, Anthony Corona. I am here, as always, with president of BPI, Gabriel Lopez Cafati. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Pride Connection. And as you have experienced in the last couple of weeks, we have opened up to all of the voices of blind LGBT pride. And uh, last week, we celebrated Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month, which was one of our highest rated shows ever. So thank you all out there for listening and paying attention. We are always available for your questions, your comments, your suggestions at membership at blindlgbtpride.org. So this week, in a few minutes, you are going to hear from board member Christopher Snyder and soon-to-be board member Mr. Byron Lee, and they're going to take some turns interviewing each other. It should be a very fun conversation. In the meantime, Gabriel, do you have a president's message for us? Sure. I am very happy to see how our country and uh, the world, but mainly our country, is progressing into coming out of uh, what has been a year of lockdown. I know many of us are just going into full vaccination mode. So I'm very excited for what's coming up. I can't wait to share with everyone in Omaha in 2022. Anthony and I had the privilege of getting a little bit of a glimpse of going back to in-person setting a couple of weekends ago at the Florida Council of the Blind State Convention, which was a hybrid. Uh, We had an amazing time. It was so busy, but it was so good to actually be able to sit at the bar and have lunch with people and just just that in-person feel was great on the other hand stay tuned because if things keep moving in the direction that they have been moving and we keep getting uh, more of the hurt immunity that we've been looking for uh, bpi will be putting a fall social networking event for the end of this year Uh, 2021. So stay tuned. We are going to throw out something very simple and uh, very affordable and very convenient for everyone, East Coast, West Coast, maybe something very central. So stay tuned. BPI's Fall Social Networking event is always very popular. 
not only within uh, BPI members, but also allies and friends. So it's all about mingling and having fun and giving everyone an opportunity of meeting in person. And finally, I want to let everyone know that um, June is LGBTQ Pride Month. So we are already queuing up a number of awesome, awesome, awesome shows and guests for Pride Connection. So stay tuned because we will be bringing a lot of Pride into Pride Connection for June uh, through ACB Radio. So otherwise, other than that, I guess I'm also excited about our convention. We have uh, 21 programs in 2021 when BPI becomes 21 years old. But I'll let Anthony talk more about convention. Just again, thanking everyone for being our listeners and for sending us our comments and all of our BPI members who have stepped up and um, have helmed shows. We've enjoyed so much hearing the different voices that make up our beautiful organization that is BPI. I can't agree more. So speaking about Pride, in the month of June, you're going to hear from a smattering of us BPI members, board members, and maybe some of the members who will step up. We're going to talk about coming out and what it was like for us and what the difference is that we feel between, you know, some of us are younger, some of us are middle, some of us are a little bit older, and the different versions of coming out that uh, we've all experienced as BPI members. And a really something I'm really excited about, just use your devices, whether they be series or the A-Lady, and um, ask the devices to play You Can't Pray the Gay Away by Miss Laura Bell Bundy. And after you hear that song, if it excites you or if it strikes a chord within you, then stay tuned because during Pride Month, we're going to be speaking with Laura Bell about her bisexuality and her advocacy through her music, as well as getting to know her as a person. So I'm really excited about that. But 21 programs in 2021. <laughs> To celebrate 21 years of Blind Pride, one of the most popular events in person and actually was pretty darn popular last year during virtual was Gabriel's Wine Wisdom. So we've gone back to the three wine events model this year. And uh, Gabe, you, uh, you've got something really interesting for your solo, right? Yes, but I'm not giving any spoilers. It's going to be a surprise. So join us. It's actually our first event. It is Friday, July 16th. Uh, I believe it's 530. But then we will also have another one on Monday and we will be closing out. So we're opening and closing our BPI programming at National Convention with wine events. Of course, we're always, you know, popular and, and known for our adults only, by invitation only, what happens in Dare to Share stays in Dare to Share events. So look for that also Friday night. We're going to have our BPI 21 Years of Advocacy and Love mixer on Saturday night. Some of the other programming, there's some self-care with one of our new members, Raymond Bishop. 
and a 3D audio excursion, which Byron precisely and, hosted by yeah yeah Byron and Byron Chris. and Chris, who are going to be doing their interviewing each other in a few minutes. It uh, it's it's going to be an all immersive all <laughs> it's just going to blow you away. So just just look for it and 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 be part of it. And again, courtesy of Chris Snyder and Audio Ice, we're going to have two audio described independent films, both LGBTQ topic with a discussion right after. Um, so those are definitely a couple of movies that you don't want to miss. Yeah, I'm going to ask Byron and Chris to talk a little bit about that at the end of their interview. Our Sunday presentation will be lesbian centric and our Tuesday night movie will be a beautiful coming out story. So Byron and Chris, you can fill the folks in a little bit more about that. On Sunday, Byron will return with Leah Gardner and do a tech program on Clubhouse, WhatsApp, Instagram. Monday, uh, like I said, there's the wine tasting and there's going to be a sex and disability seminar, as well as something very, very interesting with President Gabriel here. Why don't you tell them what you're doing Monday night? <laughs> so very near and dear to my heart, we will be doing something new. Uh, I'm very, very happy to collaborate with a very good friend and uh, BPI member, uh, Jason Kastengway. Uh, and we're going to be doing a night of opera arias. Um, so our our challenge to you is to come into this virtual workshop with an open mind and open ears. And our challenge to you is to come in and leave loving opera. <laughs> I don't think with some of the selections that I know Gabriel intends to, to introduce to you, everyone, I don't think you can go away not at least being moved, but I'm pretty sure we're going to uh, initiate some new lovers of the opera genre. Uh, Wednesday night, we're also going to feature a music program, and that is going to be a night of protest music. We're going to, it's going to be heavily LGBTQ centered, but not only, uh, Jason Castingway also returns and, um, he'll be partnering with me, <laughs> Anthony Corona. We have three presentations that are very, very interesting. We have a protecting your partner. Uh, when your civil rights have been abused or violated. And then for the first time ever, we're going to have a mental health program and board member Jessica Kell and Jason's partner, Ron, who are both certified therapists, are going to be talking about how to maximize your therapy experience, how to pick the right therapist and, you know, what to go into therapy expecting you know there's no there's no right or wrong there's no cheat sheet but you know maximizing your experience they're going to be talking about that and that's that's a new one for i think acb too i don't i don't think we've ever really kind of tackled mental health so bpi being the leaders in in the conversations that need to be had um we we've stepped up and, and brought you that i also wanted to um share that um we're gonna have a couple of sessions that are gonna be helmed by BPI lifetime member and ACB institution, Mr. Scott Marshall, um, like Anthony said, protecting your partner and other uh, workshops on legal aspects 
that are very, very interesting, not only to the LGBTQ community, but to the community at large. So anyone who knows Scott knows that this is, these are workshops not to be missed. So there's just a few more things that we're going to quickly go through. We're going to have an adaptive sports and a, an adaptive self-defense. Those are happening on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we're going to be dragging the boys of audio description. Chris and Byron will be back along with uh, this name everybody should know and remember, Mr. Royal Samuelson and J.J. Hunt. We're going to go behind the scenes of how audio description really works. And we're going to go right into a fabulous program behind the makeup, the art of drag and we're going to rerun the very first ever audio described drag performance it's a beautiful disney theme thing um and you're all gonna love it so without further ado mr gabriel who's coming up now chris snyder and byron lee take it away boys and uh don't do anything we wouldn't do <laughs> welcome to pride connection i'm one of your hosts chris snyder and I'm Byron Lee, the other host. We're so happy to have all of you listening uh, to us tonight. Uh, welcome, all you ladies and gentlemen out there in Radio Lant. And we surely do thank you for all of those uh, texts and TikToks from you folks <laughs> out there in the Radio Lant. <laughs> I think those under 40 aren't going to get that. No, no, <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> Maybe those under 60 aren't going to get that. <laughs> I'm afraid. Oh, no. We do have rather um unusual tastes in media. Yes, <laughs> we're both we both have very eclectic tastes in comedy. Well, tonight we're gonna tell you guys our story, you know, how we met, how we realized that we were uh part of the LGBTQ plus spectrum, and um how we're doing now and what's in store for our future. And maybe at the end of the show. We'll have a little preview for you of things that you can look forward to. All right, Chris. So tell us a little bit about your early childhood. Let's let's cue the uh, flashback harp thingy majigger and learn a little bit about your childhood. So many of you have probably heard, if you've listened to this show long enough, that. Byron and I are a couple, and it took a long time to get here, but we made it, and I figured maybe it might be interesting for people to hear about our journeys. I knew that I was interested in boys pretty early. I was like eight when I figured that out, but I also was kind of, I feel like I was sort of going along with the rest of the world's expectation that I should like girls too or that I should like girls period so I'm 42 and there was just a certain mentality that people just assumed there was the assumption of straightness and um so I played with my male friends and kind of outwardly appeared like I was interested in girls and half convinced myself that I was really. Um, I was raised Christian. So there was that expectation of if you do anything with another male, you're going to hell and all of that stuff. So um, there was a bit of 
the scare factor there for a while. But when I got to be about 12, I read the Bible from cover to cover and decided that it wasn't for me. And so that kind of absolved me of quite a bit of the guilt that I had felt over liking other boys. But I still realized that society wasn't prepared for gay people, let alone gay kids, so I said nothing. And I continued to date girls and tried to convince myself that I needed to just get on board with this whole process. And I kind of kept doing that until somewhere in the middle of my first or second year in college. Did, did you and, think that you were, at the time, did you think that you were bisexual? Yes. Um, or in your mind were you like, no, I'm, I'm gay, but I'm dating these women because that's what society is dictating that I have to do? No, I had, I had done a thorough job convincing myself that I was bi. I bought that about myself because there, there were things about girls that I found attractive in small ways. And I, I just bits and pieces here and there. And I sort of convinced myself that that was enough. So recently, I have also figured out that I'm demisexual as well. So I figured out that it was really the personality that attracted me to people. And so I was able to, to convince myself that if I found a girl with the right personality, that it would work. But physically, it, it wasn't the, the physicality that attracted me. And it took me a while to figure that out. It actually took me until I was 25 to really figure out that I was sort of, in terms of the gay to straight spectrum, I was really way more over on the gay side than I was anywhere else. And uh, by that point, I'd had three children. So, Right. And I can sort of, uh, I can sort of identify with that because I'm, you know, I'm 40 and I'm just now finally starting to realize that you know, I, I respond much more rapidly to, to boys or men than I ever did to women. But I, that didn't become super evident to me until just recently. I'm like, whoa, this is, <laughs> my response is really different with a, with, a, with a guy than it is with a woman. Well, and that's, that's what finally convinced me because I tried to kind of physically, some, someone had asked me to help them conceive because they were unable to with their male partner. And so they, the couple asked me to help them. And I couldn't respond unless I just turned on my imagination and thought of a guy. I mean, mm -hmm. I physically was unable to respond at that point in my life. So I had to really work at it. And I figured out, okay, so basically my, my pubescent hormones have all calmed down now. And, I, and I'm fully an adult as far as my body is concerned. And so it's, it's telling me that this is what you're really going to be attracted to. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And that's how it's remained. Was that a really hard transition for you and, and for your family when you went from being married and having three children to being openly gay? What was that, what was that transition like for you and for your family? Well, I came out as bi pretty early, like when I was 19 or 20, so that wasn't a big deal to them. And um, one of my siblings came out as gay before I did, so that helped to pave the way. And it was uh, pretty easy, actually. <laughs> I was, I'm very lucky to have a supportive family. Everybody from my mom and dad to my siblings to my 
93 year old grandma they're fine with it and that those um, are those are people that are in all kinds of you know they they range from everywhere from very liberal to very conservative in the political spectrum but they all support you because you're Christopher you're Chris uh their son their brother their um grandson whatever and they love you and so they support you yeah um and some of them are very religious some of them are very christian so they still manage to kind of make their theology work with it um mm -hmm. and that that's great because I know that there are a lot of people who aren't as fortunate as I have been in that way. Um, I've also been very fortunate in that my former wife is also fine with it and was fine with it because out at the outset of our relationship, I was very upfront and I said, I like boys too. Mm -hmm. um, and so she knew what she was getting into. So she was comfortable with it and my kids all grew up knowing that as well so nobody nobody was surprised also as several listeners would know my middle child now identifies as fully trans so his pronouns are he him now instead of they them and i also have a gay child as well as a straight one so it was just after i came out as gay that i started doing audio dramas with a full cast and from people around the world and making these really fun uh, internet audio dramas and then doing more with the Colonial Radio Theater and XM. And uh, there was an email post that was sent to a list that said something like, Hey, have you guys heard these Star Trek audio dramas? They're really cool. And <laughs> yep. I, of course, had to reply and go, well, thank you. Yeah. We, we both were on the same mailing list dealing with audiobooks. And um, I think I had seen a few of your posts in the past. But anyway, so I, I said, hey, these Star Trek audio drama fan fiction things are really cool they they go into totally different places in the star trek universe and they're so well done has anybody ever heard of them and chris is like yeah i'm i'm one of the people who is involved in that and i do all these sound effects and post-production on them and i also do voice work for them and so you and I kind of started, we hit it off. Oh boy, I'm going to date ourselves because, you know, we, we started talking on, was it MSN Messenger or AIM? It was one of those two. It was MSN Messenger. <laughs> it's totally MSN Messenger. In, yeah. in late 2005. It was like no, November or something like that of 2005. Mm-hmm. Something like yep. that. Yeah. And so we, we started talking on Messenger and then talking on the phone and somehow one thing led to another and we just sort of started falling for one another. And, oh man, I, I, I was totally like in Straitsville at the time. I was in total denial about my sexuality at the time. And so, uh, it took, it took, I wouldn't say coaxing, but it, it took just some time for me to start warming up to the idea of like oh, this guy likes me and he's like really geeky and he's into all these things that I'm into and um you know I think he might like me and 
I think I might like him too. And oh my God. <laughs> so uh, we finally, um, after months of talking on the phone and me slowly opening up, we, we planned a, a trip for me to come out and visit him in Phoenix. And I was so nervous, but so excited at the same time. <laughs> Over that, the course of that, I came to realize that he was like the very best possible person I could have met. And in terms of attraction, like there was just, he, he pressed all of my buttons and Aww. all of my interests and my, my vocal attractors. Cause you know, fellow blind people, we all know that there's something about voices that attracts us and it was mm -hmm. just all there. It was just all there. Yeah, same, same here. Like, I, I've never really been into, um, I, I've always known that I had some attraction to guys because I had this sort of, this sort of major crush on Weird Al Yankovic. Um, and that was the first time I really ever, like, considered the fact that maybe I might be into boys. But um, I'm not into, like, really deep, uh, gravelly, baritone, manly man voices. And um, so Chris had that, like, just that boyish voice that really uh attracted me to him and i i think that was kind of one of the things that attracted you to me definitely mm -hmm. yep absolutely yeah i've never been much into the the uh, i like listening to narrators and and actors and people who have that deeper oh, yeah. voice but they don't they don't do anything for me physically the way that a young sounding geek voice does it's just uh, it's the best Mm -hmm. <laughs> why don't you tell us about where you were where you came from uh and how you got to where you are and stop stop in the middle if you if you can at least where we met and okay we'll kind yeah. of where we physically met for the first time so when i was younger jokes about gay people were par for the course and so that made me very afraid to admit that i liked boys and so i kind of kept that a private thing behind closed doors uh only fantasized about it uh that that's kind of where I was in my younger years and I've I've had a few experiences in my young teenage years and young adult years but I I mostly was presenting as straight and thought I was straight even though I had these thoughts in my head and I responded to certain boys uh you know especially you know we already mentioned Weird Al but anyway <laughs> I responded to certain certain boys on TV like uh Stephen Urkel and um gosh who were some of the other <laughs> you and I had this conversation once Corey about like from Boy Meets World oh my god yes me too yeah, and, and his brother Fred Savage oh my god oh, yeah. yeah Kevin from Wonder Years anyway there were there were certain boys that got a response out of me but again it was very like my my realization that this was really going on was kind of low level. It, I I didn't, um, you know, like a lot of people, they identified as gay early on and uh, it was like a part of their young identity and it really wasn't for me. It was very low key kind of in the background, but there was definitely things going on. Anyway, so I had a few relationships with girls and I was starting to notice a pattern. And the pattern was that these relationships would end badly because I, I didn't feel like the relationships were the way that a relationship should be. And 
Um, also, I had noticed that I just wasn't responding well to most of the people that I was dating uh, physically. You know, I, I, I wasn't um, physically able to get to the point where I could perform, if that's, you know, if that makes sense. And so um, that kind of brings us up to 2005 when I met this geeky boy on the Internet and I responded to him in ways that I was never really responding to women. And then we met. And then we met. So, uh, yeah, it was really awesome finally getting to meet you for the first time. And, um, yeah, it was great. And then I seduced you. You certainly <laughs> did. You certainly did. Yeah. Uh, let's just say um, it was probably one of the best months of my life. And then I got scared. You know, I, I got scared because... I wasn't ready to come out of the closet yet. And um, I, like I said, I come from a pretty conservative background. So I ran screaming back into the closet because I was afraid of telling everyone that I was in a relationship with a boy and not a girl. And so uh, we, we didn't talk for a really long time after that. I mean, like um, we were in communication, like we talked a little bit, but, you know, we, we went from being like full throttle to oh my God, I'm freaking out. Um, bye. <laughs> it was from this, from this end, it was heartbreaking. I kind of didn't have any relationships after you for at least a year. Um, mm -hmm. and I was kind of, um, it, it was hard to get back like, on like, like tuning into my podcast and stuff was probably like, oh, I can't do it. That's, oh, that's too <laughs> no, ouchy. No, no, I didn't. Yeah. I couldn't do that. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. And, and I stayed away from that for years because getting regular exposure to your personality would have been far harder on me than just sort mm -hmm. of moving on in a different yeah. way. Yeah. So, but we checked in from time to time. I remember we did, you know, like my, one of my best friends was, uh, in the hospital and I was trying to call his girlfriend to let her know like that, you know, how he was doing. And I, I somehow had her number and your number tied up somehow. Like they were, so when I meant to call her, it called you instead, which was actually really helpful. Like, because I was not in a good place and I was having to be strong for other people. I was, I was having to put on the, um, yeah, everything's fine face for other people, like his sister and his girlfriend and all that. And I accidentally called you and it was kind of like, wow. Um, it was so good to hear your voice then, but, but we just kind of, we just sort of lost touch for a while because it, it, it hurt too much for you. And I felt like, an, like a jerk. Like I felt really guilty for doing, you know, for basically like taking off, you know, and not being able to face my truth. And so it was just weird for a couple of years. We didn't really communicate as much as I would have liked, but it was just too hard for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Now we fast forward almost 15 years. Yep. To COVID times. <laughs> To the land of COVID. We both got a, a bit wider and, and our hair got <laughs> yep. a little thinner. <laughs> and got thicker in other places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so COVID happened and I was uh, fresh out of a nasty breakup. And I was soul searching, man, because I was like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I do from here. I'm 39. I'm going to be 40 in April. 
I've had all these relationships with women that ultimately don't work out. And I'm reminiscing about Chris and I'm just like thinking about, um, I'm thinking about like all the things that could have been, all the things that I missed out because I was uh, gone for the last 15 years. Like I didn't get to see his kids grow up. And so we started talking and uh, this is when I was sort of starting to realize that uh, I was at least definitely bisexual, if not pansexual, because I definitely still find women and trans people and, and all kinds of other people attractive. So I was starting to accept that I wasn't 100% straight. And uh, so we, we started talking, you know, like in March of 2020. Yep. And continued talking all through 2020. And mm -hmm. it was, I want to say, the nice thing that we did was we definitely figured out where each of us stood, where we were in terms of our relationship, our compatibility, our, our kind of mental space. And, mm -hmm. and then October, um, we just decided, let's try it again. We, we had some really open conversations, um, some like just hard, open, truthful conversations about where each of us was. And I, I said that um, I'm ready to start accepting my queerness. I had joined BPI um, and, and I had done a bunch of work for them. I, like I openly talked about my experiences on Pride Connection and on Sunday Edition and uh, really notably, the Pride Month music show that you and I and Sarah Chung and uh, Anthony and Gabriel and uh, Leah and Jess and um, who else? Was there anybody else that I'm missing? I think I got everybody. We, we all were involved. It. Yeah, we were all inv involved in this music show around Pride Month. And that's where I just kind of really opened up about it. And uh, I accidentally came out for the first time publicly like outside of BPI on Sunday edition. <laughs> so somebody from um, ACB was on Sunday edition talking about how they advocated heavily for, for B flag. And I, and I had said to them that uh, B flag was a huge part of what made me come out and, and sort of feel safer um, because like even when I was in straight ally mode in the early 2000s, I was going to B flag mixers and participating in B flag stuff. Uh, B flag is the name of the organization before it became BPI. My friends Tom and Daryl were, uh, I think Daryl or Tom or Daryl, one of them was a board member. And so because of that, I was involved heavily and I, and I got to like explore things that I, I wasn't ready to admit that I liked yet, but inwardly in my head, I was like, Ooh. So like, for example, they, there was a shirtless guy 
you know, muscle bound, uh, shirtless guy with a collar around his neck. That was the bartender at one of our, <laughs> one of our mixers in 2005 or something like that. Uh, I think it was a convention in Vegas in 2005. And I was just kind of looking at this guy going, Oh, he's cute. But I, I was just still like not 100% ready to admit that outwardly, but, uh, they helped me slowly come out of my shell by allowing me to expose myself to the LGBTQ plus community without, without um, immediately having to jump in with both feet. So that I, I, I said, thank you for, thank you for helping B-Flag become what it is today. Uh, and then Leah Gardner messaged me while I was off mic and she said, did you just come out on Sunday edition? And I went, Oh, I think I did. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> The Fun Zone wasn't too long after that. Yeah, so I do a comedy music show where I, I play all kinds of uh, parodies and demented music and stuff. And I did a pride show. And at the end of that pride show, I basically that was like one of the last hurdles because I had already come out to my dad. I had already mentioned it on ACB radio. But none of my like, so the friends that I have hung out with for the last 25 years uh, they're all part of an internet radio station called Radio Free Dish Nuts. And they didn't have a clue, even though I had been speaking openly about my sexuality on, on ACB radio, they don't listen to ACB radio, so they had no clue. And so when I mentioned at the end of that show that, uh, you know, that I was also queer, that's when the closet got obliterated was at the end of that Fun Zone episode, because that's when I told the majority of my friends and fans. Do you think that if you had had a less conservative upbringing in general, that you would have felt more comfortable being who you are and been been more willing to explore who you who you are um, in terms of your who you're attracted to? Oh, absolutely. You know, I I think I still would have been maybe a late bloomer because I definitely discovered that I liked girls a lot earlier than I figured out that I liked boys. But I, I definitely would have felt more comfortable saying to a parent or even a friend, um, you know, I think maybe I might, I think maybe I might be gay or queer or bi or pan or something. I don't know what it is, but I think I might be something if I hadn't lived in such a conservative background. So how did it go when you came out to your dad? And what were you anticipating? I was anticipating like being disowned or or having a really nasty fight over the phone you know or or having to defend my position in ways that I never felt comfortable with you know I I'm I'm a pretty non-confrontational guy I I don't like confrontation and I really have a rough time with debate and things like that I was like maybe afraid that he would talk me into a corner in which I would you know, like, like my fear was he's going to talk me into a corner where I'm going to go back into the closet again somehow. And that was really scary for me because I didn't want that. I didn't, I didn't want to be, you know, walked back into a corner that I didn't want to be in. Um, so it, it really took a lot of um, testicular fortitude, for lack of a better term, growing a backbone um, and becoming more sure of myself to the point where like I would be willing to defend myself and my position if I had to. So that was 
difficult to work myself up to that point where I was ready to engage in the battle if I had to. But it was so bizarre because when I called my dad, we started the conversation with just a normal everyday conversation. And then there was a lull in the conversation. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We're talking about his bad relationships with his ex-wives and stuff. So it's, it's he, you know, we're already kind of in the relationship territory. I'm going to do it. So I said, Dad, I have something to tell you, but I'm scared and I'm not sure how you're going to react to it. And he said, you're gay? And I went, well, not kind of. <laughs> and I had to explain to him that, you know, that I was bi um, and that I was still figuring myself out. And um, but yes, I, I like boys. And instead of being angry or making me feel bad or saying something like, well, he was like, you know, in this day and age, um, I can't. I can't be as rigid as I used to be. And he said something that kind of upset me, but I kind of get where he was coming from. He, he said, well, you know, it's almost like it's normal. You see two guys kissing on TV and it's just so accepted these days. It's like, it's almost normal. And I was like, what do you mean? Almost normal. It is normal. Okay. All right. I have to, you know, I, I have to kind of adjust my expectations here. We're talking to somebody who's always been, a little bit like weirded out by the gay stuff, you know, so I have to adjust my expectations here. But um, he was much more accepting and much more ready to understand than I thought he was ever going to be. And it, it was it was like a huge relief. But it was also like, I was so stressed out for just, I was so stressed out for that. Like I spent 40 years of my life being scared to be who I am for that. <laughs> it's so stupid. Well, but we talked about this before, and I think mm -hmm. you might have gotten a different reaction had you come out when we first got together, I think, because yeah. at that time, there wasn't very much uh, of a gay presence on television or in movies, mm -hmm. certainly not as much as there is now. God, every, almost every TV show or, or movie has at least one gay character in it. Um, mm -hmm. which is, which is huge progress. Yeah. Um, and you know, then you got in 2009, you got modern family with a loving, committed gay couple who adopted a daughter. You got, uh, you got queer as folk, I suppose in the very, be in, yeah. in sort of the late nineties, early two thousands. And, and there was some stuff, but it really was, that was on HBO. It wasn't on primetime television where the children could watch it. So mm. Not it was, tiny it was, yes, yes. Um, so there were, there was quite a different, I think the country by and large has sort of evolved on this and gotten used to the idea. And I don't know that had you come out in 2006 that you would have gotten the same reaction. Yeah. I, I always thought when I was struggling with coming out, whether or not I should and all that, I always thought that my mom would be the one that would 100% accept it and my dad would be 100% against it. And it turned out to be a lot more mixed because I told my mom first, thinking that she would 100% get it. And she, she outwardly did say, oh, great, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. But I think she was a little weirded out by it because later that weekend she saw two boys kissing on a movie and she's like, oh, I don't know if I can get used to this. And that was kind of the comment that 
that was the comment that unfortunately just sort of, I was in a very open state up, up until that point. And then when she said that, it sort of triggered me to go into of a more closed state where I was like, crap, my mom, who's supposed to be the accepting one, isn't accepting it. And I don't know if I can do this. My dad, my dad's never going to accept this. And if my mom can't accept it, then how is this going to work? So that's kind of, that was the comment that sent me screaming back into the closet. And I had but no clue. That, no, that I, was, that was something I didn't know until, until our recent talks because. Yeah. Cause I, cause I, I went home and then I just kind of disappeared for a while because I didn't know what to, I didn't, I do, guess I, the, like I the said, I'm very bad today. At, the <laughs> term today, my dear, is ghosted. I was <laughs> got, ghosted. You got so ghosted. I, I didn't know what to do, uh, man. I was like, I was like, I can't handle, I can't handle the pressure. I just disappeared. And what this, what this tells our audience, I think is something that hopefully many people already understand, but those of you who might be listening who are younger should, should always keep in mind that communication is absolutely mm-hmm. key. If you yeah. are having a problem, you're not on board with something, you're having doubts, you, you're having any kind of issue, or, or even if you're not, you need to, you need to communicate with your, yeah. your partner, your significant other, your, um, or even if you're not with someone, with your best friend or whatever. You, you have to keep those lines of communication open and talk stuff out. You can't just shut down and go into your own head. Yeah. And, and I would say, like, you know, I'm sure neither one of us is perfect at this, and we're still going to have our own oh, God, no. you know, trials and tribulations regarding that. But, but we are so much better than we were in the beginning because I, I at least I don't know about you, but I was not, I, I wasn't talking stuff through with you. I was just internalizing it. Well, I've learned a lot in the intervening decade and a half, and oh, I was not very communicated. I was not very communicative. Uh, generally speaking, I, I, and it wasn't just with you. I just, I wasn't very good at it. And mm-hmm. I also was much more emotionally volatile. I had a lot more ups and downs and ups and downs than I do now. I think I'm a little more settled. And I think that comes with age. I think that comes with mm-hmm. learning life lessons and having experiences. So if you're not there, you'll get there. So let's talk about our reunion after such a long Aww. time apart. So both of us got vaccinated and we, after so many months of talking and then so many months of being in a virtual relationship, we decided that we needed to see each other. Mm-hmm. And Byron decided to fly out to see me. And I was nervous because I was afraid that the intervening years may have changed something that we hadn't anticipated in the physical realm, or maybe we would have chemistry on the phone and in Zoom, but maybe not as much chemistry as we used to have when we were present with one another. Yeah. And so I was a little nervous. Um, where were you? Yeah, I was definitely like not sure if the puzzle pieces were going to were going to fit or not. And so it was it was a little nerve-wracking 
on the flight, you know, coming, coming to Arizona. Cause I, I, you know, like you said, is it going to all kind of fit together? Like it, like it does over the phone and on zoom and stuff, or are we going to get together in person? And you know, the person that he is and the person that I've become is just too, you know, the difference is too great that maybe it wouldn't work. So the, yeah, there was definitely some some concerns there because I just wasn't sure what the intervening years were going to do. When we first got together, it was the chemistry was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we really got on like a house on fire the first time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So so when I got there, um, it it just really felt like nothing. It felt like the last fifteen years hadn't happened. It really did. It was it was like uh, we picked up right where we left off, and and that was. That was great. The second I hugged you, it was like, <laughs> I'm where I need to be. Aw. <laughs> yeah. At the airport. That was great. Uh, except, you know, the face shield, um, you know, blocking our way. You know. <laughs> it's like, hey, let me kiss you. Oh, wait. There's this plastic right between us. Hang on a minute. Let me take that off. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, geared, I, I geared up. I got, my, uh, I got my vaccine, and I had the face mask on and the gloves and the face shield because my, my biggest fear was I didn't want to get him sick. I didn't want to, like, finally come out of my shell, jump over all these social hurdles, and finally start living like the person that I am just to get there and give you COVID. <laughs> so, so I know that you were vaccinated and so was I, but I, you know, I was like, we originally, I was going to wear a full head to toe, you know, saran wrap, like a body suit thing uh, over everything <laughs> to keep all the germs away. But we decided that was overkill. <laughs> I just I would have given real money to see what the people in the airport were were, were thinking, you know, like the, <laughs> the looks on their faces when you went tromping through there in the E.T., uh, you know. Uh, yeah, like when when Elliot, uh, when they came to get E.T. and they were all wearing the radiation suits and the face masks and the. <laughs> great. Just to top it off, you should have had like a rebreather or something. So you oh, just... God. Well, t- speaking of which, speaking of which, I was really nervous about because I, I have sleep apnea now and I've, I've, I'm not like a heifer. You know, I'm not huge, but, but I've gained weight since I met you last and I, and I've lost hair. Me too. So, honey. You know, we're both, we're both older. <laughs> you know, we've, we're, we're both decrepit now. And <laughs> so when I get out I of like, bed in the morning, I sound like Carmen Miranda's castanets. <laughs> when I stand up, I sound like the snapping fingers on the Adams family. <laughs> Snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> as long as it doesn't go pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Oh, well, <laughs> that's later in life, honey. That's later in life. So I, I have a CPAP machine and I, I just thought, man, this is going to suck. Uh, I don't want to snore for him. I, you know, we're obviously going to be sleeping in the same bed and I'm thinking the snoring is going to turn him off. But oh, what if the CPAP ma- mask, you know, what if the Darth Vader mask turns him off even more. So I was really nervous about that. And um, it actually worked out really well because if I didn't wear the mask, I would snore so much that you would <laughs> you would need to put on your headphones so that you could sort I of put drown on it out. Plugs, yeah, yeah. But if but, I did wear the mask, but, then it was like, oh, cool. I don't need that. This is another great example of how far we've come in terms of communication. He told me this 
before he mm-hmm. even came over. He's like, I'm afraid, you know, that the CPAP mask will be a problem and, and like it'll that. It'll be unattractive. Said, it'll be weird. I, you know, this I said, I'll just way. be glad to have you here. And I'm not concerned about this at all. And it turned out mm-hmm. that I had no reason to be. And the cool thing was that I am a non-compliant CPAP uh, patient. I don't wear my mask when I'm supposed to even because it's uncomfortable, but having somebody beside you who's totally accepting of it and encouraging you to do it because it's good for your health and it also makes it so they don't have to hear you snore. Um, I actually used my mask more when I was sleeping next to you than I ever did when I was sleeping by myself. So that was actually really good. good for my health. Yeah. See, that's why we need to be together on a more permanent basis. I'm just good for your health right there. <laughs> did you did you eat enough fiber? Are you regular? <laughs> Are you having frequent bowel movements? Just checking because I love you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> now, you were a good meds reminder, too, because I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably take those. Yeah, that's important. Oh, and here's man, a vitamin D great. to boot. So we, we did some fun things when I was out there. Some of which uh, our, our lovely listeners will perhaps get to partake in later on at the convention this summer. Because Byron and yeah. I are preparing a special voyage for you guys. It's a, an audio virtual reality experience. Yes, a 3D audio excursion, if you will. Indeed. So tell us some of the tell us some of the things that we recorded uh, while I was there, and and tell us some of the things that you have planned to record later. So one of the things that we recorded, I'm sure many of you would agree with me that one of the single most inconvenient things about being blind or low vision to the point where you're not able to drive, is transportation. We got to experience the Waymo car, the driverless autonomous vehicle, and we recorded it for your 3D listening pleasure. And it will be a part of the experience in the summer. Another cool thing that we recorded was the airplane that Byron took to get here because. What is it like on an airliner in the midst of COVID? And what is it like to experience an airliner when you're not actually on one? So that kind of stuff is one of the things that we've done. So this is going to be this is going to be really exciting because we both have these binaural audio microphones made by Sennheiser and they they have a lightning adapter that plugs right into your iPhone. However, I will be coming to see Byron later on in the summer and we can continue our recordings and perhaps do something fun for you. I think you I think you should uh, a recording that you should do is you wearing your binaural headphones while you're on the piano, playing the piano and then uh, your friend Kat playing the banjo lele in the background, like on your left, like on your 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 uh, left side or something. That would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. So BPI is going to actually be showing some movies during convention, and you were a big part of getting those movies for us. Do you want to tell them a little bit about what we're going to be showing? Sure. We have a movie called Rafiki that takes place in Kenya, and it's about two young ladies who buck the strictures of their society 
as being any kind of LGBT is quite taboo, and they fall in love and um, have to kind of deal with the consequences of that. It's a really great movie. It is subtitled in parts, and so we actually had people act the subtitles as though it were an English overdub for those portions. So that was kind of fun. Um, And then we also have a movie called The Way He Looks. And this movie intersects with blindness and being gay. And that is something that I never thought to see. I didn't think there was a movie out there that actually would cover what our organization is about um, in such a specific way. So I was really excited to see that. And that movie is also subtitled. That one is fully subtitled, the original movies in Portuguese. That is that is so cool, though, because, you know, we have seen lots of movies about blind people. We've seen lots of movies about gay people. But I don't think I've ever seen those two subject matters come together at the same time. Yeah, I, I really I agree. Um, it's really hard to find. I think there's a lot of infantilization of people with disabilities. I think that we're, we are not seen as sexual beings. And in fact, that is extremely uncomfortable for a lot of able-bodied people to think about. And I think it's actually uncomfortable for some disabled people to think about because of how they were raised and how they were taught. Um, But I'm really happy that we actually have a movie that speaks to both blindness and being gay at the same time. I think that is absolutely remarkable. Um, And I I don't know that there's any other movie like it. And I'm definitely pleased that the filmmakers were open to allowing us to screen both of these movies. And thank you for doing the legwork on getting those uh, creators on board. It was my pleasure. So uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed hearing about our journey to where we are. And I wish you the very best of luck on your journey. Absolutely. And and where we should probably tell people where they can contact us if they want to, you know, just leave comments of support or if they want to, you know, talk to us uh, more in the future. So where, where can people get a hold of you? You can feel free to email me at chris at chris-snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R dot com. Or you can find me on both Twitter and TikTok at the aggressive progressive, all one word. And you can email me. My email address is Byron at Byronlee.com. That's B-Y-R-O-N-L-E-E.com. And that's also where you can find the podcasts of the Fun Zone, my comedy music show. And you can also find me on Twitter. My Twitter username is Byron27, B-Y-R-O-N-27. This was such a fun show to do. I'm so, so thankful to Anthony Corona for suggesting it. So thank you, Anthony, and thank you to Gabriel Lopez Cafati for being the awesome president of our organization. And so until next time, goodbye, 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 goodbye. I've heard it too. You've been listening to Pride Connection, 
sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, go to blindlgbtpride.org. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dream.